Well, we've been in a series called Summer Mistape. And, um, and it, what that, that means is we just heard different messages from different one of our staff members here, Pastor Staff, and you know, a couple of weeks ago, you heard a message from, from Pastor Dave Goff, and wonderful message there. And then last Sunday, Pastor Tom did a great message. And, and, uh, and so today, I, I'm preaching, and then next week, Pastor Tom is going to preach again, and then we're going to hear from Pastor Chris. And, and, uh, and, and so we're just, uh, it's good to be back here with you guys, and hope you guys uh, um, are enjoying this, you know, just hearing from different pastors this month, and, and uh, they've found a, done a wonderful job. I, um, I, when I, a little known fact, maybe some of you know this, but if you don't, if you don't know me for very long, you wouldn't know this. But, you know, growing up, um, I was a, a, a pretty decent trumpet player. You know, in, in fact, I, I was so good that I could, don't laugh now, okay, because I'm deaf, but I could actually play a trumpet by ear. And I, I, and I was just able to, to play the trumpet. And I almost thought about bringing my trumpet up here today and just giving you guys a little, you know, but I don't have it today. And I, it didn't fit the message yet. I, I will. One of these days, I will bring that trumpet up here and, and, and give, you a little, give you a little something, you know, you know, from the heart, you know, and it'll be great. And so, but I used to play the trumpet. And I was in the band at school and... and, and and I play solos, you know, and, and, and quartets. And, and, and then one of the things that I would do, you know, at home, in my practice, is that we had a big boom box. How many of you remember the boom box? Okay. And I would make my own mistake. <laughs> the best of Scott, all on one tape. And, 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 and I had one of those boom boxes that had two tape recorders. And so I would play a part on my trumpet. Now, I would actually get a song, and I would actually write the parts and, 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 and make a four-part song, you know, a four-part to the song, and, and then I would record one of those parts. And then I would play it on the other cassette player, and, and I would record it with me playing with the other, with the other uh, you know, tape that I just recorded. And, then, and I just did a process, and before you know it, I had four of me all at once <laughs> on a wonderful mistape. You know, and the harmony, I brought the harmony together, and, 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 and somewhere I still have that tape. You know, I, I handed it out to all my friends, and I don't think any of, any of them kept it, but I think my grandparents, <laughs> my grandparents kept it. You know, the grandparents always keep those kind of stuff, and I'll take my mom and dad maybe. Um, they've heard enough in the, in the house. They probably didn't play it too much, but I had that mistake. And I would bring that harmony together. And, and there's something special, right, when you can get a four-part harmony of, in a psalm, when you bring it together and, and, and it comes together in, a, in, a, in an awesome, beautiful way, it means that the notes got unified in their own different ways to, pro to produce a psalm. 
I mean, I still love listening, to be honest with you, I love listening to classical music, just because I know and I appreciate the art of all the different instrumentation that come together, you know, to, to make one incredible masterpiece of a song. And so today, I want to talk about, for a few minutes, making music together. Making music together. I want to look at Psalm 133. And I want to say, before we get into the very first verse, that Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, those 15 psalms are known as the Psalm of Ascent. In fact, you see right there on on your, in, your, in your handout notes and on the screen, it says, a song for a pilgrim ascending to Jerusalem. And, and sometimes you probably read that, and you say, well, what's that all about? And, and what that was, it's three times a year in, in, in this time period, the, the, the Hebrew families would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is set on a hill. In fact, we, we know it as Mount Zion, all right? And, and, and so, and that's Jerusalem. If you're going on the Holy Land trip next year, you're going to see how Jerusalem is kind of situated on top of this little mountain. And, and, and so when they would gather together as a family, they were headed to, to ascend up to Jerusalem. They would sing these psalms together. They would make music unto the Lord. They were, they were singing on their way to church. How many of you sang on your way to church this morning? <laughs> Maybe a couple of hands. You know, some of you were just like, I just need a cup of coffee, you know? You know, that's all you were thinking about. But they were so looking forward to going to Jerusalem that they were singing with the other pilgrims from all over Israel, they would come together and they would start singing these psalms. These psalms right here. This was the psalm of David. David wrote this, and, and we see in this three verses in this psalm. There's only three verses in this psalm, and we see one, two, and three. Let's read it real quickly. It says, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is that precious at the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is that refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life. Everlasting. I want to talk about some things here about making music together as a body of Christ. Here's the first one, if you're taking notes. Only God can bring the harmony. Only God can bring the music. Notice it says here in verse 1, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. The word brothers, it, it's not talking about a, a 
a family relationship. It talks about a spiritual family relationship. And, 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 you know, brothers, you know, if you have brothers and sisters, you have a common parent. And in this verse, those who are in Christ Jesus, we have a common spiritual father. And we have a common spiritual family. If you're, a body, if you're in the body of Christ, the family of God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And in a few minutes, we will be participating together in, in what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. What, what is communion? If, if you take a note, communion is a Greek word, koinonia. Koinonia, it means fellowship. It means sharing in common. That's what communion is, but sharing in common. We are coming together in a, in a spiritual fellowship. Fellowship is not something that you do out in the lobby with coffee and, and, and donuts. You know, it, fellowship is not something that happens in a, in a room of a church called a fellowship hall. Fellowship happens everywhere when we are in unity. We are sharing in common, koinonia. The Lord's Supper, communion, it reminds us that we are all the same before the cross. We have a common birth because of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a common birth through God's Son, Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. A spiritual family because of our Heavenly Father. You see, our God brings the harmony. Without Him, we have nothing. Without Him, we don't have a spiritual family. Without His sending His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, we don't have the spiritual church body. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 to 6. You, you see, Paul, he said this. He said, we are to make every effort. He's telling the church of Ephesus, right? He said, you got to make every effort. It takes work to keep yourselves united in the spirit. In other words, you can't do this on our own. We, we need God. We need Jesus, and we need the Holy Spirit involved in our unity. It's not something that we can just manufacture on our own. We need the Spirit of God. He said, binding yourselves together with peace. With peace. I, I love what Pastor Tom, who talked about last week, you know, just having that humility to watch each other's feet. And Jesus had the humility to wash the feet of the one that he knew was going to betray him. We are to do whatever we can, even washing the feet of those that we don't get along very well. But we humble ourselves because something's more important than us, the unity of Christ. He said in, number four, in verse number four, he said, for there is one body, one spirit. Just as you have been 
called. We've been talking about that word the last couple of weeks. A calling. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. So unity, harmony, it starts with God. Unity comes from life within. We're, we're made partakers of the Holy Spirit. We have been born again. We have all come from the, from the same womb of grace. We are part of the family of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus because of what he did on the cross. He bought us. We are bought with a price by his shed blood that he gave to us. You know what's interesting to me about famous orchestras is that you don't know the names of the participant in the orchestra. No one knows the name of the first chair trumpet player or the or the second chair clarinet player. No one, no one knows those names. In fact, the only name that you most likely will know is the conductor. You know, you think about the famous orchestras of our past, you only think of Beethoven, Mozart. Today, probably, probably the one of the most famous um, conductors is John Williams. John Williams has wrote some of the most famous um, uh, movies, Soundtracks, you know, movies like Jaws, movies like Star Wars, movies like Indiana Jones. John Williams is, is synonymous as being one of the greatest, you know, conductors of our, of our time period. As a conductor, his role, his job is to bring the orchestra together and all eyes are on him. You see, our great God, he harmonizes the church through salvation and his son, Jesus Christ, and we must keep our eyes on him who is the author and finisher of our faith. Only God can bring the harmony. And here's the question for you. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? It's not something that I can do for you. It, in fact, it's not something that you can do for yourself. You can't save yourself. The only one that can save you is our Savior, Jesus. And all you have to do is to give your life to Jesus and ask him to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of your sins and believe that he died for you. Plus nothing, minus nothing. And then when that happens, we become joint heirs with him and we become a adopted into the family of God, all because of what God did for us. Now here's the second thought about harmony. Harmony, number two, is when we're playing a specific, unique part. It's when we're playing a specific, unique part. Unity is not uniformity. Oftentimes we think that's what it is. Uniformity is when everyone is act the same, look the same, be the same. If uniformity is the goal, then we're going to be a cult. Because that's what cult do. We're all the same. We all wear the same clothes. We all listen to this. We all do this and that. That's not the goal here in our, in our, in our scripture. That's not the goal what God had for us. 
not uniformity. That's not what unity is. If you ever hear an orchestra play, they do not play in unison. The unison is another word for uniformity. You know, if, if an orchestra, if every part played the same note, kind of boring. You know, what, what makes it awesome is when the different parts are pulled in and a different part come in at different tempos and, and you know, you got the flute and the clarinet coming in, you got the, you know, you got the brass coming in and this, this, this way, you got, the, you got the percussion, they're coming in, in in a whole different way, but all coming together in a unique, specific part to make one amazing psalm. Look at Psalm 132, 133, verse 2. It says, For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil. By the way, that's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Again, that's the Spirit of God. You know, He, he brings the unity. It says, For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and unto the border of his robe. They would, they would t- literally take a cup of oil, you know, and that oil would be mixed with some cinnamon and some very sweet-smelling spices, and, and they would dump this oil, and it would just literally just cover you. Uh, and then that's messy. I mean, think about, you know, being, you know, uh, covering yourself with Vaseline. Can't, it takes forever to get that kind of stuff off of you. You know, you got this oil all over you. And, and Aaron, who, who's Aaron? Well, Aaron is the brother of Moses, and Aaron was the first high priest in the Old Testament. And here's a picture, here's a type of our ultimate high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Aaron is a counterpart of Jesus Christ, and so do all the other high priests in the Old Testament. They're a counterpart, they're a, a type, a picture, a foreshadowing of the ultimate high priest, which is Jesus. And so we have this, you know, uh, so we see the body of Aaron being covered, which really speaks to the body of Christ. Again, we have a common family. And we have a unique part to play within the body of Christ. You know, Paul talks about the body in 1 Corinthians. And he talks about how it's important that all the parts of, the, of your physical body has a, has a unique, important part. The elbows, the mouth, the eyes, the ears. The ears doesn't work so well for me, but your ears, you know, your, your, your knees, I mean, your, your, your organs, they all have a role to play. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12. It says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body, by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Again, God brings the harmony, right? He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. He said in verse number 25, drop down to verse number 25, he said, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffers with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. 
All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We all have a unique part to play in the body of Christ. Again, we've been talking about calling. And this fits very well with that idea of calling. God has called each and every one of us to a specific, unique part to play in the body of Christ. And it's important for you to discover what, what God has made you for and to live that out to the best of your ability with the power of God in you. You know, so many of you get to serve, and we got so many people serving every week, volunteering. You know, once a month, some volunteers at the food pantry, you volunteer here, you volunteer during the week. You know, because you, you found your calling, you found what you were made for, and you're, and you're using your giftedness to the body of Christ. You are a masterpiece. God said we were created in God and we were a masterpiece. Every one of us were uniquely made. And when, when you don't live out your calling, when you don't live out the calling in your life, when you don't participate in the body of Christ to be what God wants you to be, then there's a gap in God's creative order. There's a gap. If you think, well, someone else can fill that gap. No, God created that gap for you to fit in. You call to something, whatever that might be. And so you have a part, we have a role. And so, well, what's the point? What's the point? Well, we've talked about a common father, we've talked about a common family, a common birth. Here's the point. We have a common mission. The, the reason why we play together, the reason why we make music together, the reason why we harmonize is because we have a common mission. If we don't have a mission, then what are we harmonizing for? What's the point? Uh, uh, someone said this, it's a unity, unity around nothing, but not unity at all. Unity around nothing it's not unity at all. You see, it's the mission that unites us. He said, well, Scott, what's the mission? Well, remember what Jesus tells his followers right before he goes up to heaven. Jesus gives the disciples his last words. He said, here's your divine assignment. He said, here's your, here, here's your calling. Here's your reason. Here's your mission. And then that's what Jesus said. He said that we are to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See, that's what we do. That's what you do. This is who we are. That's our mission. This is what we stand for. This is the calling of the church. And so the question is, how are you doing with your specific, unique part in the body of Christ? Is it functioning the way it should? Are you playing your role? Are you doing your part? Not for me, not for each other, but for a mission that we're called for. We have a common mission. Number three, it's the third thought here. The lack of harmony is noticeable by others. 
noticeable by others. You know, if you, you know, we have to, in a, when we have a, a band, we have to make sure all of us are in tune. Because if someone's out of tune, it messes the whole thing up. I remember when I was in a, a, a fifth, fifth or sixth grade, I, I think it was 1986, I, I was just new at my trumpet, you know, just my second year playing the trumpet, and it was grandparents' day at school. We had grandparents' day, and we decided, hey, we're going to bring the grandparents in and have a nice little um, program for grandparents. And so my grandparents, they came in, and, and, and of course my mom and dad were there, and, and all the school body, they were there, and, 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 and me and, and two other guys decided, hey, we're going to play uh, a song. And I had the trumpet, and the two other guys were trombones. And so we got up there, we're going to do the trio, and we got up there, and I was feeling, I mean, we had practiced this so well. I mean, we were ready to roll. We were ready to impress our grandparents, you know, it's just kind of, you know, it could be awesome. And we get up there, and I got my trumpet up, and I, I think we were playing the song, When the Saints Go Marching In, okay? We're going to play that song, When the Saints Go Marching In, and I got my trumpet up, and, and the very first note, I blew it. You know, just went way out. It was a mess. And, and the two other guys playing the trombone, you know, they, they, I had the melody. So these two guys, they were the support, you know, they were the, the harmony for me. And, 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 and they just kept playing. And I just had to stop. I stopped. I stopped over. And they just looked at me. Bum, 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 and they just kept playing. And I was like, stop, stop. And they just would not stop. They were like, they, were, they didn't know how to stop. And we were a mess. And finally, I just kind of sat back there and I said, oh, my goodness, it's terrible. I mean, it was a disaster. And then we were done. I only played that one note. <laughs> and everyone kind of, you know, a pity clap, you know. And I was so, and I, I walked back to my class and my class, they're laughing at me. They're just laughing. They're just going crazy. I'm just, and I was so, it was terrible. It was awful. But the worst thing ever. People were laughing. People felt sorry. Hey, you know, when we don't play together, it's noticeable. And people are laughing. The world laughs. You know who else laughs? An evil, a spiritual enemy. Satan, the devil, he's laughing. He rejoices. He celebrates when he sees division. Because one of our greatest, one of our, one of our spiritual enemies' greatest strategy is to divide. Especially when it comes to the family of God. So Satan knows that when we're united, when we're playing music together the way it should, that we become an unfair unstoppable force, empowered by the Spirit of God. However, when we're divided, Satan knows that we quickly become weak. We become ineffective. Notice Paul's appeal for the church in Corinth to stay in harmony. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He said, I appeal to you. I beg you, please. He said, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he, he coming in and pretty strong and said, I, not only am I begging you, but I'm coming on behalf of Jesus here and his authority to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, but rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. We're united in thought and our mission. We have a common mission. The word division is translated, the Greek word, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you write the Greek word, it's the word schisma. Schisma. We get the word schism from this Greek word. That's the word division. It means a split, a division, a ripping, or tearing apart. And Paul is saying, I, I beg you that there would be no schisma, no division, no tearing or ripping apart. And when we at the body of Christ fight, quarrel, gossip against each other, argue, what we're doing is that we're dividing the body of Christ. We're playing right into the devil's hand. We're tearing our faith that unites us to be a light into a very dark world, and whenever we fight, whenever we argue, whenever we let the small issue, the smaller issue divide us, it, it takes us away from the mission. And we're essentially tearing apart the body of Christ. Now, Satan's motive is division. Satan, Satan's method is deception and Satan's mission is destruction. He would love nothing more than to deceive us so that he would divide us and therefore destroy us. That's what he wants. That's his end game. That's his mission. That's his mission. His mission is going throughout the world and divide and conquer and make us ineffective. That's his mission. Why, why is Satan so hell-bent cause division. Because he knows that we can do, if you take a note, that we can do infinitely more together than we can apart. We can do infinitely more together than we can apart. He knows that we are better together. You know, Jesus, he cries out to the disciples and he prays this prayer in John chapter 17. He said, I am praying, verse number 20, he said, I am praying not only for the disciples, but for also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. He said, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. He said, I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we're one. He's praying for us. He's praying for you and me 2,000 years ago, praying for us, the church, to be one. He said in verse 23, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Why? So that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Paul prayed that we would be united. Jesus prayed that we would be one. Now here's what we need to remember. Satan is the enemy, not each other. 
Ephesians 6.12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We have to understand that the church down the road is not our enemy. Those who use a different version of the Bible, they're not our enemy. Those who worship in a different expression of worship, they're not our enemy. Those who, dip, who, those who vote differently than you do, they're not your enemy. The person who's so far from God, he is not your enemy. Those with different backgrounds or enjoy different music or dress differently or they express them, themselves in a different way, they're not the enemy. Even if they're living in the wrong path, they're not the enemy. Our enemy is the devil. He is the prince of darkness, the father of lies, the great deceiver. Jesus called him a thief. He said the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And, and that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to steal our unity. He wants to kill our churches and destroy our witness as a light into a very dark world. And when we are not playing together, the world knows. That's number four. And we're done. The more we harmonize, the brighter the light. Verse number one again, Psalm 133, verse one. How wonderful, how pleasant. It's awesome when we're living together in harmony. Look at verse three. Harmony is so refreshing. It's refreshing at the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountain of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. David, the psalmist, used dew as an example of unity. And, and, and you would have to understand back in this period, there was no irrigation system. There was no, um, this was a very dry, arid land. And so farmers really depend on the dew. The dew brought the blessing. When they would wake up in the morning and see the dew cover their farm, cover their, uh, their crops, they knew they were going to have a good day, that they were going to have a good harvest. It was the dew that brought, that brought the blessing. Dew makes the land green. Dew makes the land fertile. It makes it fruitful. It produces. It increases productivity. Dew gives the land its greatest potential to do what it was created to do, to be fruitful for its creator. And there's nothing sweeter than when the dew of heaven's grace, God's power, and the spirit unity falls on the church. It's like a fresh dew that refreshes a dry and thirsty world. We can be that dew and we come together and the blessing that comes with it. See, when, when we are playing together, God is glorified, magnified, and satisfied when that happens. You've heard it said, there's strength in numbers. That's not exactly true. There's only strength in numbers if those numbers are unified. In our old Charlie Brown Snoopy cartoon, right. <laughs> Lucy demanded that her brother Linus change the TV channel, threatened him with her fist if he did it. Alina said to Lucy, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? 
Lucy replied, these five fingers. <laughs> Individually, by itself, they are nothing. But Linus, when I curl them up, they become a powerful weapon. <laughs> Linus looked at Lucy and said, what channel do you want? <laughs> he turned away. Linus looked at his fingers and said, guys, why can't you be organized like that? My friend, I believe that's what God is asking us to do. Guys, why can't we be organized like this? So that we can pursue the mission. A church that's unified is the greatest advertisement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's get together and let's make music for the glory of God. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us today to be unified, to be one. Maybe there's some things in our church family that as we get bigger, you know, we, we can get on each other's nerves. There are things that happen. God, I pray that we don't let the little things take us away from the mission. That we get on our knees and wash feet of each other to serve, to be humbled to pursue unity, harmony. So God, we ask you to help us here in the next few minutes as we come together in communion, as we celebrate what's common, common birth, common family of God, common Savior. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. We have a common mission. God, and all these things that we're praying for today, I pray as we reflect in communion in the next few minutes, we reflect on those things. God, I pray that you, ask, you help us to see where we need to step up. In Jesus' name, amen.